the X-Men, Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, Ant-Man, the Wasp, Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, Black Panther, Daredevil, Doctor Strange, Scarlet Witch, and Black Widow. Do I have your attention yet? Comic book nerds unite as we deep dive into one of the greatest minds in history, the one and only Stanley here on Clap by Fire. You're listening to Clapped by Fire. Hello and welcome. I'm Kai Maxwell, your host. Our co-host is Sham Eames and John Peterson, and you are listening to the Clap by Fire podcast. We do have an Instagram page. Uh, if you listen to today's episode and you would like some pictures to better explain the story, be able to get on Instagram. Our handle is at Clapped by Fire Podcast. And uh, get on, check out pictures of the, more of the story. And uh, if you're new, welcome to the show. How's everyone doing today? Doing good, brother. How are you? Doing awesome. How are you doing, John? Doing bueno. I'm doing bueno in Spanish today. El bueno. Nice. Hey. John, you want to announce our email? Yeah, so we went ahead and set up an email for this, and it's clappedbyfirepodcast at gmail.com. So if any information you want to send, you want to go ahead and maybe send some ideas for the podcast, or uh, if you have any suggestions, uh, we're always open to um, some critiques as well. Go ahead and send that in at clappedbyfirepodcast.com, or uh, at gmail, that, that, that one, yeah. Also, for... Business inquiries, if you maybe want to uh, be a sponsor, uh, like the show, and maybe want to get your brand on here, uh, reach out to to that uh, that email again, clapbyfirepodcast at gmail.com. So what's up? Ready to go. Uh, yeah. Sweet. Hell yeah. So uh, what do you guys uh, what do you guys been reading in the news? Any crazy stories? Any interesting in the news? Lots of drama. What's going on out there? see i got a 52 year old uh former soda springs high school girls basketball coach uh got arrested the other day he's already got arrested for uh 20 rape charges and this is back from the school as well so he's the girls basketball coach um uh, been there for 20 plus years uh, 20 rape charges and he got out on bond and tried to disappear and uh the utah idaho border uh he was found and and arrested how do you have 20 like, rape charges and get released on on bail how does that even work couldn't tell you so there was a um he was arrested in september but posted bail after it was reduced to fifty thousand. And then he uh, took off, and then the um, Franklin County Sheriff's Office and uh, Cache County um, picked him up near the border. So it looks like all the details on all the rape stuff, uh, all those have been sealed by the courts. Um, So they pretty much right now picked him up for um, bail jumping, and the uh, rape trial starts, I think, in June is when it's going to be started. Uh, makes you say it makes you seem pretty fucking guilty if uh, you're gonna try to run away after Bell. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. So his name was Wade Lee, and then it was uh, some kind of Scandinavian last name that I'm not even gonna chance. There's uh, about 15 letters in it and maybe three vowels. So. <laughs> so I'm not even gonna give it a shot. But uh, yeah, he got picked up the other day. Um, and he's just going to be kept in without bond until his um, court case, which is probably going to go away for a very long time because they're looking at life sentences for all of the 20 rape charges. You got anything else for us, John? That is it. Cool, cool. I'll take the floor. Um, so if you live in Utah County, um, you're probably seeing all these alerts for flooding uh the snow that we continue to receive is uh breaking records everywhere for the highest ice melt or highest ice caps we've had since back in the 80s 84 
And uh, I just love it because, you know, however many episodes on this podcast ago, we were talking about how the Great Salt Lake is so dry and uh, all these toxic fumes and chemicals that are going to be uh, blown up in the air with dust. That it's going to be harmful to, for people to breathe. And here we are, however many episodes later, and now we're having uh, flood warnings. Um, there's avalanches that are happening everywhere. Uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy how... Uh, <laughs> The irony of uh, you know the lifestyle works and uh, and uh, I'm I'm all for it, dude. All these lakes need to be filled back up. They're all extremely low. Uh, we need the water. We need the water. But uh, there is you know lots of uh, alerts and just uh, people worried that you know these 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 rivers that uh, when the summer hits and these temperatures pick up and these ice melts start melting, that uh, it's going to make the the rivers super high and uh, it's going to be a lot of flooding. So just uh, just caution for that if you live in Utah County area, that might actually increase the the water. Uh, how, how good it tastes out in Eagle Mountain for Sean. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're right about that, uh, man. You know I got to say like with all this water and it has been a butt ton of water. Like I haven't seen a winter like this since I was really really young, and if they say we're still in a drought after this shit, I'm just going to smack somebody. I swear to you. Like, <laughs> I said, I've been interested in all this, uh, all this snow this year. Um, even going back to these great salt air episode, that was the year that, um, one of the salt airs got flooded that year. Uh, all downtown salt Lake, all of uh, state street, or I think it was state street got flooded. There was sandbag. There was a river going down the center of that. Uh, they had to put eight foot uh, barriers on top of Glen Canyon Dam um, in um, Lake Powell to keep it from going over. Damn, eight foot. So, and then they're running their byways constantly. They had to shut it down because of the erosion inside the tunnels, the spillways. So I was like, I've been looking about a lot of the stuff that happened back in '84. It was the uh, end of May, early June that all this stuff happened, and it was crazy runoff, crazy floods everywhere. So we'll see what this year entails. We've actually beat the numbers from that year as well. Jeez. So, yeah, John, man. you were saying all that flooding happened in '84, but it was—I think it was—I think you said it was '85 is when it was like. So e the year even after that was crazy ice pack too. Then, right? '85. Uh, I th I'm not sure if the 85, I just know that the record was uh, between 83 and 84. There could have been some big runoff uh, the next year as well, maybe because we were so full, we weren't trying to fill up a bunch of stuff that it was still somewhat full. And yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, I got a lot of family up North man. And uh, yeah, they're right by uh, these giant Canyon rivers that they have uh, up blacksmith fort Canyon and stuff like that. My grandma actually owns a cabin up there, and we actually have to sandbag her uh, side of her house, of her, of her cabin up there, so that it doesn't flood up uh, every spring. And uh, they're only giving, like, 20 bags of sand to every person this year, which isn't even close to being enough if the runoff's going to be what they say it's going to be. So it's a little, little spooky for the people, especially up north, because they got, like, four times the snow that we got down here, so... Rent a bulldozer for seventy five bucks an hour and just uh, dig a fucking trench by the side of it. <laughs> right, <laughs> something. Jeez. So yeah. It's gonna be if you live in Utah County, uh, maybe just be a little cautious. Maybe look into uh, some some flooding things of like what to do. Um, six inches of water, moving water is actually strong enough to uh, move some cars. So. Uh, you know, if the temperature picks up, they say around 60 to 63, a lot of the snow is going to start smelting. So just uh, just be careful, giving you guys a fair warning. <laughs> we all know we only got two seasons here in Utah, winter and summer, and that's it. So, <laughs> Yeah, the spring and, and, sp spring and uh, fall is literally like a week and a half, and then it's just gone. <laughs> yep, for sure. So, and then uh, something else that I want to talk about, too. Um, this is a very sensitive subject for a lot of people. Um, I'm just making it aware here on the podcast, if you maybe have not heard about it. Um, we've been talking a lot of shit on the uh, Tennessee Police Department. And, um, you know, they, they have definitely redeemed themselves. So, on Monday, there was a school shooting 
in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. It was a private Christian school. Um, I'm not going to name the person. Uh, I believe that that gives them uh, the 10 seconds of fame that they want, so their name's going to be anonymous. Um, but pretty much this person shot out uh, some doors on the side of the school, went in the school, killed three nine-year-old children with an AR-style rifle, and uh, shot and killed three different teachers there, um, all in like the 60 age range. And uh, it's just absolutely disgusting. Never, ever should you think that the last thing to possibly do to make a point across is to go break into a school and murder children. I think you're absolutely fucked in the brain. And uh, that's never that's never the solution to anything is to go and murder children. Uh, it's absolutely disgusting. Like I said, the uh, we've said some stuff about the uh, Tennessee uh, police, um, and uh, they were able to uh, get to the school and uh, eliminate the target within 15 minutes. Um, all these brave men, um, you know, in in Texas, they they waited outside of the school. And uh, these guys all just fucking ran in and, uh, you know, all put their lives at risk and was able to eliminate the risk within 15 minutes. So shout out to the Tennessee police. There is, you know, that I think yeah. that's awesome that you're able to eliminate uh, a major threat like that within 15 minutes and that no other children or teacher was able to be harmed after that. So there were six people that were killed, three children, three teachers. Um, it's absolutely horrible and disgusting. That's tragic as shit. Yeah, but uh, so I don't know. I want to ask you guys a question real fast. What do you think they need to do with schools? Schools was like a safe place where, you know, your kids can go. And it's just kind of crazy because there's so many people nowadays that are wanting to homeschool. Um, and if your kid does go to school, you you know, I know I've seen TikTok videos where they're like sending their kids to school with like a bulletproof vest. Like it's crazy in America that people have to think this way. And I, I just want to take just a couple minutes. And what do you guys think are, are solutions that maybe the government or people could do to, uh, you know, stop school shootings? I, I personally think that they should go ahead and hire vets um, that have already had the experience and the training and, um, you know, obviously do back to background checks on them and, and mental health checks and whatnot. But uh, hire at least three or four vets in your local school, man, and... Uh, you know, let them let them hang out, guard the holes, do what they got to do. You know, a quick conceal on them is is safer than that incident happening. You know what I'm saying? And there would already be somebody on scene. So that's my personal two cents on it. Yeah, my thought on that is uh, it's actually happening at a bunch of, especially here in Utah. You don't really hear about it, but uh, a lot of the teachers. I'm not saying like a majority, but a lot of the teachers actually arm themselves. And actually oh, yeah. uh, conceal carry at school. And I think opening that up to a bunch of different states, I know, you know, all kind of political, no matter what state you go into, whether it's uh, something you should do or not. But at least here in Utah, I actually know a bunch of teachers that actually, you know, do conceal carry there and are, you know, go through that training and are ready uh, for stuff like that to show up. And having someone on scene is definitely something that's going to help. Um, stop stop things towards the beginning yep so this is my personal opinion i think these places are targeted because there isn't any like pushback you know there is like private schools yada 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 so, so yeah there's no pushback if they know that there's you know armed guards or um i remember growing up we had a one school police officer that covered the elementary school the middle school and the high school that was one person and all it took was for that guy to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, like, I know this might sound a little weird, but my personal opinion is, like, if, if places have, have high crime rates, <clears throat> set it up like a private community where, like, vehicles have to go and, you know, there's, like, a cro there, there's like the little arm thing that they have to check in. Why are you here? Are you picking up your kid? Show, you know, the school has to give them, like, identification or something. School's not something that you should be able to just drive up right next to it. If you have some pushback, if there's, you know, higher veterans or, or people inside these schools. But this has got to stop, dude. There's so many children that are having their futures stolen and taken away from them from these sick people that just... 
you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's 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 absolutely disgusting. Like I said, I don't want to get into politics in any way, shape, or form. I know both sides are extremely pissed about this, and uh, you know it's just uh, like I said, there's a special place in hell for for people that that fucking kill children, dude. That's it's absolutely disgusting. So I just think that you know. A lot of people need to start voting and start voting in people that are going to fucking make some changes. Um, you know, the government can say whatever they want, but, you know, a lot of the times the states are the ones that make up their own laws and can uh, can change stuff like that. But, yeah, we need to start arming teachers. We need, to, we need to make schools like private communities, set up some fences so not everyone and their dog can just walk up to them and walk in them. I know it's sad that this is what uh, society has come to, but... It's got to be some freaking changes, dude. It's absolutely disgusting. Yep, I agree. Agreed. <clears throat> and then uh, the other thing that we want to talk about, or, or, or uh, never mind, Sean, you got anything for us? I, I don't, buddy. I'm sorry. I worked on my pod, so. <laughs> Not your kid. So, so the last thing that we're going to talk about is the uh, the Marvel lady, Tony Stokes Stark's girl. What's her name? Gwyneth Paltrow. So apparently she was skiing in was it Park City, if I'm correct? I think so, yeah. Park City, Utah, and uh supposedly uh she hit into this guy and uh he's trying to sue her for uh three hundred thousand dollars and she is trying to counter sue him for a dollar and uh also legal fees. Uh, watched a little bit of the court hearing, and uh, he claims that she bumped into him, and she claims that she bumped into him. And uh, obviously, we don't know what the truth is, but obviously, this guy, in all honesty, if you're going to try to sue someone for $300,000 and they're only trying to sue you, counter sue you for a buck, like, I don't know, I kind of think that speaks for itself. <laughs> right. Yeah. So pretty much, uh, pretty much this old guy, retired dude, obviously not going to name him because I think he's a piece of shit trying to get some fame. But uh, supposedly she crashed in, into him and has caused him severe brain trauma, changed his life, allowed him to never be able to go out and ski again. This dude's also retired in like his 60s. So uh, I don't know why you're skiing when you're that old anyway. <laughs> but uh, dude is Tony Stark's girl, man. Come on, right. you don't you don't mess with Tony Stark's girl, bro. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. In, in, in the movies, didn't she like put on the suit one time or something? Yeah. Just just yeah, like protect man. herself. Like fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, not nah, don't fuck with her. Yeah, this guy's just up for the glory hound of it all, and just wanting his thirty seconds, like you said. It's uh, it's gross. But yeah. So that's pretty much her. all I have. Um. Other than that, hopefully that uh, sends you right into today's topic, and I'll turn the time over to Mr. Sean. <laughs> Excelsior, by the way. <laughs> Excelsior means onward and upward. It's also a New York State model. Just so if you know, it comes up a couple more times in this thing, you'll be like, oh, okay, that's what it means. It was uh, Stanley's one of his favorite things to say at, at uh, every press conference and anything he really did, so... But really quick, do you guys uh, like superheroes? And if so, who is your favorite? So uh, <laughs> I know we're talking about DC here, but uh, I'm a Superman Marvel. fan. <laughs> talking about Marvel, man. <laughs> oh, okay, specifically Marvel, I'm definitely going to say uh, Tony Stark. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to say the Hulk too. I'm going to say I'm going to say Tony Stark and the Hulk. Both, nice. both two just freaking badasses. Uh, you know, Tony Stark, Playboy, freaking billionaire, super rich, has all this tech stuff, just do whatever the frick he wants. And then the Hulk, you know, his uh, uh, body took in radiation, just gets super angry, his big green monster that... I don't know if you guys have read any any of the uh, the comics, but uh, a lot of the superpowers that we see and a lot of the stuff that you see in the comics are actually quite different. Yeah, for sure. I remember reading the comic where the Hulk, I guess if he gets so angry, he can like dig his toes into the ground and like change the uh, the gravity of like a planet or something. Yeah, you don't ever see that in the movies, but yeah, uh no. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to say uh Tony Stark and uh the Incredible Hulk. What about nice. you guys? 
John, what you got? Say with me, like I'm just gonna go back to my childhood. You know, Saturday morning cartoons or even afternoon um, X Men were my go to. Like they were oh, yeah. always my go to. Um, I can't think of it without thinking the the theme song at the back of my head. But I'd say X Men, um, mostly Wolverine. I think Wolverine just has been my all time all time favorite superhero. Oh yeah. That's uh same with me actually. Like Wolverine is is my favorite, hands down. Uh I also really enjoyed Spider Man. Uh just because, you know, he's They remade he, Spider Man way too many times. Movie. Yeah. Like I'm not talking <laughs> the movies. Like I'm talking like old school cartoons, old comics. School cartoons. Like yeah. He was like uh he's mouthy. He was a lot like kinda like Deadpool is right now, which I also love Deadpool by the way, but um yeah, he was he was very quip and quirky with his stuff, you know what I mean? So yeah, it was it was just fun to watch. So those guys are definitely my favorites. But um, yeah, you know, I, I grew up in a small town in in northern Utah, and when I was wasn't out causing trouble, I was usually at home or a friend's house playing video games. Um, but what a lot of people don't know about me is that I'm a huge card collector and comic book nerd. And uh, sure, I read tons of other books, and they were great. But when I got my hands on a comic, I was there for some reason my imagination would run wild with it and i could put myself right there next to the hero i couldn't put it down and i would lay in bed at night and after my parents thought i was asleep and i would hide underneath my covers and uh, read these comics with a flashlight until of course my dad would come in and check on us and of course i'd get busted so you got to ask yourself why do so many people fall in love with these comic books and superheroes and Honestly, I think it's because everyone can relate some to someone in the comic book world. Um, take the, the Incredible Hulk, for example. Um, here you have this super nerd with a genius IQ, but when something makes him jealous or mad, he turns green, gets huge, smashes everything around him. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. lots, of, lots of people can relate to, uh, to that. Or, you know, you could even take Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man. Uh, you know, the boy loses his parents and then loses his uncle to a thug who shoots him. You know, he he has a choice whether or not to seek vengeance or justice. And I'm sure everyone knows the feeling of losing a loved one too soon. Um, you know, what would you guys do in that sort of scenario? Can I actually say one thing real fast? Sure, dude. So, growing up in southern Utah, I actually, one of my neighbors growing up, he was a competitive bodybuilder. And if you've ever seen the old school Hulks, like the black and white ones, you know, the oh, Hulk, yeah. Hulk would get all angry and like, like super cheesy back in the day. Obviously, you know, CGI and all this stuff is, has made these shows so much more dramatic. But uh, so my, my neighbor, uh, I'm obviously going to keep his name anonymous, but a uh, competitive bodybuilder lived in San Francisco for a while. Um, he ended up moving to Utah and he became um, he's a family therapist. But uh, in his early days, he'd work out, and he actually went to a gym where that actor that played the Incredible Hulk was Luke there. Rigno. You know what he did? He, I guess he ran across the street to a store, bought a poster, ran back over, had the guy sign it. And uh, oh, yeah. so me and his son actually played soccer together in high school. And uh, so I went to his house a couple times to work out. But in this dude's gym, on the wall, there's this big... Matt, I can't remember the guy's name. The dude, the the, the old school. I th I think, think, yeah, I'm pretty sure Lou that's Ferrigno. it. Has a big poster <laughs> on his wall signed by the Incredible Hulk, and I just, I just remember going over there, like, yeah, dude, that's that's pretty fucking dope, dude. You know, like, <laughs> dude, yeah, man, no, that's epic. That's really fucking cool. So to go back to your question, uh, yeah, I definitely think that uh, superheroes are very relatable. Um, a lot of superheroes are like. You know, some of them are like bullied, weren't the popular kid, Peter Parker, you know, bullied in school. Freaking everyone can relate to being bullied in school. And I do think that, uh, I do think that does make it a ton more relatable uh, based on how they're raised, experiences they've had in their lives, stuff like that. Agreed, man. So when I was a kid, these books were covered by, by other kids like the holy grail of shit, you know what I mean? And uh, they would we would trade them as if they were high dollar items and read the hell out of them. So this is kind of my thank you to Stanley in a way. Um, he was there with his stories and entertaining me and teaching me things that had morals 
and that I could re- apply in real life in a lot of ways. And uh, he was also my escape for some real dark shit in my past. So let's hop into the Clapmobile and check out the life of Stan Lee. Hop in, boys. It's going to be a good one. Hop in, boys. And the man Lee. His real name, however, is Stanley Martin Lieber. He developed the name Stanley in high school, and it just stuck. He even legally changed his name later on in life. Stan was born December 28, 1922. His parents, Celia and Jack Lieber, lived in an apartment in Manhattan, New York City, on 98th Street and West End Avenue. Uh, Lee was raised in a Jewish household. Stan also had a younger brother named Larry Lieber. They were brought up together during the Great Depression. His father was a tailor, and work didn't come by very often, so his father would do whatever he could to make ends meet. This gave Stan a deep appreciation for work, and also taught him the work ethic that he would need for the rest of his life. Stan and his family ended up moving several more times. Um, By the time he was in his teens, he was living in an apartment on 1720 University Avenue in the Bronx. It was a third floor apartment, third floor apartment facing out back. Um, Stan and his brother shared a room and his parents slept on a fold-out couch. Stan attended DeWitt Clinton High School in the Bronx. Uh, He really enjoyed writing in his free time and always wanted to write a great American novel one day. But things were tough and money was tight, so in the meantime, Stan would take his father's work ethic and picked up part-time jobs. Uh, They went from writing obituaries for a news service, uh, press releases for a national tuberculosis center. Uh, He also delivered sandwiches for the Jack May Pharmacy to offices in the Rockefeller Center on his bicycle. Um, He also worked as an office boy for a trouser manufacturer. And uh, he even ushered for the Ravioli Theater on Broadway and sold subscriptions for the New York Herald Tribune. Stan continued writing in his free time, and at 15, Stan had entered a local writing contest put on by the paper. Uh, Stan continued entering this contest and had won three times in a row. The paper actually wrote to him and asked him to stop entering so someone else could win. But (laughs) they also suggested that he he should try writing professionally, and um, Stan said that that letter probably changed his life. He graduated from high school early, only at 16 and a half, and in 1939, he joined the WPA Federal Theater Project. So how did Stan get into the world of comics? Well, it's all thanks to some family connections. Stan's uncle, Robbie Solomon, got Stan a job with Timely Comics. Have you ever heard of Timely Comics? No. Yeah, neither yeah. had I. <laughs> neither had I. I. I wasn't. I was used to like the old school action comics and DC comics, detective comics. Uh, but uh, I guess before Marvel got its awesome name, uh, Timely Comics would do the introduction to a lot of superheroes like Captain America, the Human Torch. Also, a little side note here: in the original version of uh, the Human Torch, it was not part of the Fantastic Four. Uh, so, what did Stan do to contribute to these heroes? Well, not much really of anything during the time. Uh, he was just an assistant, so he would go get the writers extra ink and coffee and just do random tasks uh, that needed to be done. However, uh, because of his work ethic, Stanley moved up in the ranks. He began getting better assignments and a chance to create a hero of his own. In 1941, Timely Comics released a hero called The Destroyer, created by Stan. The Destroyer was actually a lot like Captain America. He was injected with some super serum that gave him super strength and other features as well. But unlike Captain America, he didn't have the Stars and Stripes. He actually looked pretty sinister for being a hero. With a big skull in the middle of his chest and uh, the black and, right, black and red striped pants. Hey, um, Sean, I got a quick question for you real fast. For sure, bud. So, com- like... Was Stan, like, ever, like, made fun of when he was younger for having, like, these type of ideas? I I understand that, like, back in this era, um, you, you know what I mean? You're coming out with these comics about, like, being, like, 
super or the, the superpower humans like did, did he ever like receive any backlash from like just the era um so yeah it actually really did kind of affect his dating life um he was said he would go to parties and stuff and um the woman would ask what he's what he does for a living and he would mention comics and they would almost always just turn around and walk away like you know it was just a <laughs> turn off of like, a lifetime yeah right like oh boy okay <laughs> But yeah, man, uh, I bet they all kind of eat their words now. So <laughs> I'm, I'm actually looking up uh, pictures of Stanley right now, and I'm and, and whenever people I think they think of Stanley, they you know the typical like the he's always wearing like this green shirt, you know, doing like the Superman shoot thing. But like you look up a pictures of him younger, and it, it kind of makes me think of like Pearl Harbor. Can you imagine like some dude in like that area that's like, hey, yo, dude, I'm writing about this guy named the Incredible Hulk. He's freaking awesome, right? and they're all just like. <laughs> You know Especially I mean? being like, in like fuck? upstate New York sort of area, you know what I mean? Like, kind of got to be a lot harder back then. So, especially at this time, uh, World War II was raging on, and uh, people wanted to escape from the real, real world of it. Um, so they would read comics like Captain America because they wanted a hero uh, showing the defeat of the Nazi scum that was terrorizing the world. The Destroyer had only minor success, but before Stan could create any other superheroes, he joined the army in 1942. Stan said it was because of the Captain America comics. And he quotes, I, I myself got so caught up in all of that, the next thing I knew, I had enlisted in the army. I felt our nation was really in danger, and I couldn't live, live with myself if I were a civilian and other people were over there fighting. So Stan took his experience uh, with writing and used it in the army. Uh, his official title was a playwright, which was not really what Stan was expecting uh, as he enlisted. As a playwright, he would produce training manuals and instructional films that would be shown to the soldiers overseas. And although this wasn't what Stan wanted or was expecting, all of the army playwrights would come home and have really successful careers, including Theodore Giesel who you guys might know better as Dr. Seuss. Ooh. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, Stan was just Stan was discharged from the army at 23 years old. Uh, he came home and the comic book industry was was not doing well at all. In the 1950s, a psychologist named Frederick Wortham claimed that comic books and television televisions were corrupting the youth of America. So, in 1954, the Senate Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency uh, announced that comics uh, were actually dangerous. And because of this, they started the Comic Code Authority. Comic Book Code Authority. How uh, in the hell are they dangerous? Are you freaking kidding me? People they, back in the day had such a stupid way of thinking. Holy right. hell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> These guys would go ahead and put strict rules and censorships on what types of content were allowed to be published in comic books. And every new storyline had to be approved by the Comic Code Authority. And the cover of the book would have this seal showing that it had been checked for any indecent content. Uh, according to the rules, uh, the mention of any crime at all was enough to have your comic book rejected. So this censorship obviously was a huge blow to Marvel, um, who wasn't Marvel at the time, but timely. Uh, who made their living off of superheroes fighting crime, you know? Crime, crime is in, like, someone's robbing a bank, and so the superhero comes and stops it, and since there yeah. is the crime of the bank, they, they, they censor or, you know, disprove it, say you can't do it. Right. Yeah, so exactly. then what are the superheroes supposed to do? Help the duck walk across the road, the kid, you know, <laughs> walk him to school? Little old lady help her sell her cookies? I don't I don't know, man. But, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, Stanley had to uh, lay off a lot of artists because of this, and they had to discontinue many of their comics, and their focus went back to stories for children, for young children, and uh, they were extremely boring in comparison to writing about superheroes. They started focusing on some horror stories and sometimes cops and robbers, but like still had to leave the crime out of the comic. So Stan began to grow bored with writing and wanted to branch out and write his own book. So he sat down with his wife and discussed a plan 
to write an adult comic. Um, even if it went against censorship rules, they decided if his publisher hated it, the the worst thing that would happen was he, he would get fired, and honestly, he was ready to walk anyways. So, unfortunately, I was not able to find any more information on the book that he wrote, but he wasn't fired, so it must have liked it. And if you have a so, copy of it, how much is that book worth? The original shit. copy. <laughs> yeah. Golly, man. Especially now. Not a clue, but a lot. So, tragedy struck the Lee family again um, during this time. He had two daughters. Uh, the oldest named Joan Celia, or J.C., who was born in 1950. And three years later, he had another daughter named Jan Lee, who tragically died only seven days after she was born in 1953. Um, an unbearable loss for the family to handle, uh, but Stan, Stan trudged on with the comic book industry. And by 1958, Timely Comics was ready to close their doors, just due to the lack of sales and interest anymore. So this is when Stan Lee and artist Jack Kirby received an assignment to work on a new superhero series before they closed their doors. Um, but this time with a group of superheroes instead of just one. Taking inspiration from the Justice League of America, Lee and Kirby decided to collaborate and create the Fantastic Four, who included Invisible Girl, a girl who could turn invisible and create a force filled with her mind, The Thing, a scientist who turned himself into a talking rock monster, and his favorite catchphrase is, It's clobbering time! The Human Torch, who's light, who lights on fire and can fly and throw fireballs, and Mr. Fantastic, who could stretch or mold any part of his body. <laughs> Easy, ladies. Did, <laughs> any part of his body. <laughs> did, you, did you just say they took inspiration from the Justice League? Is that what you just said, Sean? I sure did, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, DC, DC, <laughs> DC at this time was already going strong, and they already had uh, Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman. They were their, you know, bread and butter at that time. So the world was already really familiar with these with these faces already. So they wanted to do a team that was very similar to them, but you know, had their own their own stories, their own quips with it so so and uh, and for the the innocent mind here you said innocent or or, or you, you told the ladies to like calm down yeah. uh, can you please better explain yourself i'm just a little uh, a <laughs> little uh <laughs> you know innocent mind over here not sure what you're talking about right there sir oh uh, oh uh, well uh, let's just put it this way if, if i could stretch or mold or form my body into any shape that i wanted <laughs> just saying might be a lot more attractive to women in some some areas you know so Hmm. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, dude. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Not even a giggle. Damn. Oh. Right. <laughs> oh. Hey, and actually, actually, while we're talking about this, I I totally forgot, dude. But the Guardians of the Galaxy, dude. Freaking Groot, dude. Yeah. I I totally forgot. It's also I'm gonna add that to on my third Groot from your favorite. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> people, people don't know this, but we're actually posting uh, pretty funny uh, little gifts, uh, Marvel gifts, in in a chat, and we haven't heard Sean chuckle up a single time yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Back, uh, back then, superhero comics were originally targeted to you know younger generations. Uh, so there was no death, and the dialect was way tamed down. So Lee aimed for an older older audience, uh, aiming at older teens who sought out the original style of comics but wanted more maturity in their reading. Uh, the Fantastic Four was where they would come in, and uh, they dealt with breakups, inner demons, accepting roles, and struggles with struggles as being heroes. Um, the art and content featured er, featured things that were never seen before in a comic. Uh, Due to the sales and the way the audience received the Fantastic Four, Timely Comics ran the publication even without the Comic Code Authority stamp on the cover. So because of the great success of the Fantastic Four, Stan Lee and company uh, could now venture off and create more heroes all in a shared universe. Um, Timely Comics officially changed their name and became Marvel Comics in 1961. And Stan began to love the industry again and worked with some of the greats of his time, like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. 
So STEM began a process of writing uh, that would be later referred to as the Marvel method. Um, instead of writing a full story ahead of time, only a basic, with only a basic outline or synopsis, uh, they would be uh, handed off to the artist and uh, filled in with pencils. Once the art would be completed, bubble text bubbles and dialogue would then be added as needed. Uh, the process created a much faster production and collaboration among the artists. Uh, they were able to produce one full comic every working day, and because of this, they nicknamed their group of artists the Bullpen. That's crazy, creating one freaking full comic a day. So, oh, yeah. Anyways, uh, the artist, author, and any other person who helped create the comic had their name put on the front of the comic, and uh, this was brand new to the comic book society. Uh, now you could see if your favorite author had a hand in creating your favorite book before purchasing it. And Stan and Kirby were an unstoppable duo. Kirby's artwork, artwork brought Stan's stories to life in a way that no one else could. Because of how the comics were written, however, the credit to who did what got a little muddled sometimes. Sometimes Jack would write the majority of the book and Stan would write only a few lines and Stan Stan would still get all the credit for the writing, and the art would go to Kirby in the credits. Um, so this created a bit of tension and eventually a rift between Stan and his co-workers. Despite the arguments over proper credits uh, for writing and stories, you can't deny the, su the success of Marvel and Lee's hand at creating some of the most iconic heroes of all time. Yeah. Following the Fantastic Four uh, came the Incredible Hulk in 1962. Uh, during this same year, uh, Lee and Kirby worked with Larry Lieber, who's Stan's little brother, to develop Thor, the God of Thunder. Fans loved it and wanted more, and in the 60s, Marvel was a hot press for superheroes. Almost a new one every other week. In 1963, Lee and Lieber collaborated again to create Iron Man, who came out in a Tales of Suspense edition. It took five years still before uh, Iron Man got his own solo series. Also, one of my favorite franchises uh, came out in 1963, the X-Men. They were... Hell yeah! <laughs> the the, the X-Men were very different uh, from the heroes that we know today. Obviously, Wolverine wasn't part of it. He didn't even get his own debut until 1975. Um, but the original characters included Cyclops, Beast, Angel, Iceman, and Marvel Girl, who is also known as Jean Grey. Um, the X-Men was another collaboration between Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. And as if this was all not enough, the biggest Stan Lee creation came out in 1962, when Stan Lee collaborated with Steve Ditko to create The Amazing Spider-Man. Stan and he... Stan said he based the character on himself as a teenager. Um, the flashy costume design and the young age of Peter Parker really stood out to teens and to young adults. So each one of his characters were based on a world around him. For example, the Hulk was written around the Cold War when everyone was really afraid of nuclear science. Iron Man was a response to the hate for the military-industrial complex. And the X-Men were a social commentary on tolerance for people who were different from us. I got a quick question real fast. Yeah, buddy. <clears throat> I don't know if you saw this in your research, but what, what the heck's going on with Spider-Man and Uncle Ben? I saw, I'd seen this thing that, like, uh, Uncle Ben, uh, I guess the wording or the, the character and and uh the rights are they weren't able to like buy the rights or something and that's why these new spider-mans the stories have changed to his mom have you guys noticed that um with the mcguire I, guy it was the uncle ben and then all the spider-mans after that there is no uncle ben oh so what they're trying to do there <laughs> okay i'm about to nerd out on y'all right here we go, go for it <laughs> so like in the comics, the original series and stuff like that, like it's uh, his uncle Ben and his aunt May take him in because his parents are murdered, right? Correct. Or they're just gone. One of the two. Um, so his uncle Ben, him and Peter get into a big old fight. He gets killed. He gets shot by a, a thug or killed in some manner, depending on the comic. 
So they would rewrite these comics many different times, telling a similar story to the original story, but they would tweak it sometimes, right? Okay. And they would call this the Marvel Universe because it wouldn't always be the same Peter Parker. It wouldn't always be Miles Morales, but it would be Spider-Man. You know what I mean? So That's why we have, have Spider-Man. These... Uh, right. Multi. They're from... Yeah, they're from different universes, basically, that are all part of the same timeline. Um, so, yeah, as, as dorky as that sounds, like, that's literally why. You know, one timeline, uh, it's his Aunt May, you know, who watches over him instead of his Uncle Ben, like in the movie. So, yeah, that's that's why Marvel was doing that. Interesting. I did not know that. Thank you for clarifying. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, obviously, Uncle Ben back with uh, you know the, the McGuire guy. That was extremely sad. But I do, I do like the the newer ones with, uh, um, what's the guy's name? Tom Holland and uh, yeah. his mom's like this. Uh, you know, they try to make it like she's this like sexy woman that's trying to hook up with people. You know, or you know, oh, oh, Aunt May, dude, ten out of ten. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> He's a ten, dude, for sure. He's a ten. I'll give her that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, man, that's that's why uh, you have the. I don't know if you've seen the last movie or whatnot, but yeah, that's why there's three different Spider-Man in it. You know what I mean? Because they're all from a different universe that they come together with i think it. the last one i watched was uh far from home with the uh the guy that pl uh, it's on october skies the can't think of his flipping name you know the dude that has like the jig yeah he has the the drones that make up like reality that's uh, yeah, not really yeah. real i can't think of yeah. the the dude's name that was the last uh, one i watched was far from home it was really really good really really good really enjoyed it Hell yeah. Awesome. Watch the newer one. You'll like that one too. But, okay, we'll do. <laughs> you know, it, tie, it ties in all of the – it goes from uh, it explains Garfield, everything. it yeah. goes into um, – um, Oh, 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 the new one where they all come together with Doctor Strange, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, I, yeah. I, I've seen that one too. Sorry. I just, just – uh, I don't really watch a lot of movies, and so I'm like – you know fetching in my memory right here and i'm like oh yeah i've seen that too yeah yeah yeah. where the you know the joker comes back and the mcguire guy grabs the glider and you know yeah yeah, yeah. dude that one was really good I, too oh yeah well in 1963 the amazing spider-man received received his own solo series uh which eventually led to the creation of some of the most iconic creations uh in the marvel universe uh with such a large universe being created by lee it was time to bring them all together and stand in fart around when he did it. So uh, just like that, bam, the Avengers were born. Captain America, the Hulk, Ant-Man, Thor, Iron Man were all brought together for the first time. And it worked. People couldn't get enough of it. They wanted to see some of their favorite heroes cross over into each other's comic books. But Lee really knew how to get to the true heart of his readers and connected with them like no other comic could. After the comic uh, would end each issue of Marvel Comics, uh, they would feature letters to the edit editor in the back. Um, they were choose, er, chosen and responded to by Stanley himself. When Stan wrote to people, he would usually he would write casually, offer advice, and try to be a mentor. Uh, he believed no comment was too small for him uh, to, re to reply to. Uh, quick side story. So when I was a kid, I actually remember writing into Marvel. Uh, my mom kind of laughed and thought I was being ridiculous. But three weeks later, I got a letter back from them. And I remember I had asked if I could come home or if I could come work for them. And I, I could kind of draw the time and was putting together my own comics. You know, they had, had Wolverine and Spider-Man in it. And like I was just, you know, being a little kid, just trying to imitate them. And uh, Stan wrote back and said, never give up, and one day I might be able to. Uh, he thanked for me for being a true believer, and that was it. Of course, I never grew up to work for Marvel, but I'll always remember that postcard, even though, you know, for the life of me, I can't find it anywhere now. That oh, my God. I was just about to so. say, you have that framed on your wall somewhere? Shit. I, <laughs> dude, I was like, yeah, I was real young, dude. I was like eight or nine when I wrote that in, so. But, That's an awesome story, though. Yeah. So Stan would also publish uh, 
what he wrote to other fans in the back of the comic book. And next to it, it would have a giant illustration of Stan with Excelsior written underneath it. Because of his illustration, the comic book world now knew what his creator looked like. Stan quickly became the face of Marvel and in many ways still remains the face of Marvel today. But also because of this, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko were kind of put in the shadows and credit was not spread around like it should have been. Kirby and Ditko have both spoken out against Stan in the past and his contributions to the heroes, but despite this, Stan forged on pushing Marvel's brand as much as possible. The Black Panther was introduced into the Fantastic Four in 1966 um, before joining the Avengers and eventually getting his own solo comic book series, making him the first African-American character in mainstream comics. Um, Stan said that the 60s and 70s were some of the best years of his entire career. So Stan began traveling uh, to universities to give lectures on story writing, uh, but it, in reality what Stan was doing was gathering data on his fans, and every Q&A session that he had, he was taking down notes on how he could improve the Marvel Comics storylines. So by 1970, uh, Stan became the head publisher of Marvel. Uh, Stan would use Spider-Man to tell anti-drug stories in 1971. Uh, he realized that the message delivered by comic books went way beyond uh, entertainment and would actually resonate with children quite well. Even though Stan was the face of Marvel in the 70s, uh, comic books began getting more gritty and violent, especially as the young teenage fans grew up into young adults. Um, characters began to be killed off, and the once happy, bright comics started to have a darker side to them. Stan decided to get ahead of the game and made the move from New York to California, where he started making films and TV shows through a company called Marvel Productions on the West Coast. Stan decided to make cameos in all of his films but before his big debut on tv he was used as or he used his voice on the tv version of the incredible hulk and the animated version of spider-man and his amazing friends did you guys ever watch those just out of curiosity yes yeah nice definitely uh definitely one of my uh childhood memories next to uh x-men Talking about Appreciate. killing off char characters real fast, I'm going to be honest. After watching like the Infinity Wars, uh, I cried when freaking Tony Stark died, dude. Oh, I didn't cry. Maybe got like super teary-eyed, but I was like, no, not Mr. Stark. Yeah, <laughs> poor little, sure. Poor little Spider-Man, dude. That, that, that was like so dramatic and so just, uh, just heartbreaking, dude. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting also is, you know, Hollywood takes a spin on these sort of things as well. So, like, in the comic books, it's not actually uh, Iron Man who dies. It's uh, Thor and Captain America. And, uh, yeah, they die while fighting Thanos and, and Ant-Man. So, interesting. Side note, sorry. <laughs> in all honesty, who <laughs> likes Captain America? Come on. <laughs> He doesn't even have know. the American flag, bro. The stripes on him, isn't that like uh, some flag that's uh, like down in South America? Like the No. So back in the day, um, they actually had the stripes going downwards on the shield with the, with the stars going across on the shield, and that's what it was based off of. Oh. I, I, yeah. I think I saw a TikTok video that... Uh, if you actually look at the back Captain of the dollar America? bill... If you actually look at the back of a dollar bill, the shield that's on the back of there, you'll you'll see like a little shield that has the stars and straps like that. So interesting. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. Side note. <laughs> but uh, he also produced Iron Man cartoon. Um, those shows aired in the early '80s, and his first on-screen cameo would be in the 1989 movie called "The Trial of the Incredible Hulk." Uh, he was a juryman on there. Oddly enough, his second cameo was a Spider-Man crossover episode with the animated Muppet Babies. <laughs> what the? So, <laughs> Stan, Stan ends up getting shot in the face by the Muppet Babies through the, this panel of comics, you know, in real life compared to the animation and stuff. His 1980s 
cartoon humor is great. So, anyways, in uh, 1988, he became the head of Marvel Films and began to produce uh, feature-length movies. Uh, this became a great business move uh, because Spider-Man soon became the household name of Hollywood. Uh, household name, sorry. Hollywood, however, was having a hard time seeing the potential of these stories and had no idea how to put them on the big screen yet. Uh, but one of his cameos in the early 90s was not a superhero, superhero show at all, but actually a Kevin Smith movie, Mallrats. By the way, I love that movie. <laughs> Almost all of Kevin Smith's movies are just awesome. So Kevin Smith is a huge comic book nerd, just like me, and has had directed uh, some amazing films and also episodes of like the CW's Flash. Um, Stan Lee plays himself in the film and is treated like comic book royalty. He helps the hero out with uh, some words of wisdom and then does his famous Nuff, Nuff said quote. So. Upset. Nuff said. Yeah. <laughs> but just as Stan's face and personality were getting recognized by the comic book fans, uh, he was slowly getting pushed out of the company. New faces were coming in, and Stan was making over a million a year just because of his history with the company. Nice. He was still, <laughs> he was still writing a comic book here or there, but it was much more likely to see him in the names of credits on a TV show or a film rather than the front of a comic book anymore. Still, a million a year, dude? I bet those girls are kicking themselves in the ass now, right? So, Oh, yeah. Stan was eventually pushed out of Marvel Company, but his creative nature would not be stopped. Uh, using his name and company in the comic book world, Stan formed the Stanley Media Company in 1998. The company gained the rights to Conan the Barbarian and a few other titles, but nothing else really took off. So, after leaving the company again, he started over with a new company called POW Entertainment. Uh, through this company, Lee created books, TV shows, and a lot of other media content and would promote all of this stuff at comic conventions. Um, some of his new creations were superhero mascots based off of every NHL team. He would also create a superhero called Stripperella. Have you guys ever heard of her? I have heard of her. They yeah. did a little TV show back in the day too, right? Right, yeah, yeah. She I was have... voiced by a Pamela Anderson. So, kind of interesting. <laughs> I have not, but it sounds like I should. <laughs> <laughs> Might want to check that one out. Okay. Um, <laughs> he created a reality TV show on the History Channel called Stanley's Superhumans. Have you guys ever seen that one? I've seen one or two episodes of that. It was pretty interesting, man. I, I like that one. My wife actually obsessed over that show. That's where the girl like jumps off the building and then heals herself, right? And it's it's played by that uh she she used to be on the Disney Channel, that one chick. Am I talking about the um, same thing, superhumans? No, I think this one right here is uh is it's real life people who have like real life superpowers. So like yeah. A guy who's super strong, he would like get on there and with his bare hands, like fold up a uh, cast iron pot, you know what I mean? Like just bend it in half just using his hands. Isn't there a cheerleader um, like, on there that can heal herself? Or heal oh, that, that's a different TV show, man. Uh, oh. That's a, yeah, that's a, a fantasy TV show. This is based off of like real, real people in real life. So, yeah, it was so kind of the, interesting. One that I remember watching, uh, there was the one guy that, he would go out in the middle of winter. Uh, he'd just be down to his underwear, do the polar things. And he oh, actually, yeah. with his with his mind, um, warmed up his body core, slowed down everything. So, like, he would be out in the freezing cold temperatures, and his body temperature would remain the same, fine. Just kind of put his his mind in a in a place to where um, cold didn't bother him, and it was it was kind of cool to see. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was. It's a crazy show, man. If you get a chance, uh, check it out. It's got some people on there who can do some really amazing things. So um, he also did a YouTube channel called Stanley's World of Heroes, and uh, Pow Entertainment still strives to continue Stan's creations and dreams to this day. <clears throat> One of Stan's 
biggest changes came with the release of the X-Men in the year 2000. Lee saw the success of X-Men and 2002's Spider-Man and tried to fight to get royalties. Um, Marvel eventually settled with Lee and paid him a hefty one-time lump fee, but Lee missed out on his right to a fortune with the massive release in the MCU in 2008. Uh... The MCU completely changed Marvel, and when they sold it to Disney, it really pushed them into the next level. While Lee was giving cameo roles on all the MCU films, uh, his royalty check could have been much bigger if a better agreement would have been made. But obviously, Lee didn't have that big of a disagreement to uh, keep him out of these movies, so... Uh, in the early 2000s, Lee was honored with some pretty awesome awards. In 2002, he won the Saturn Award for Life Career. In 2011, he received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. In 2012, he won a Lifetime Achievement Award for from the Visual Effects Society Awards. And in 2017, Lee and Kirby were inducted into the Disney Legends Hall of Fame. Uh, Lee continued to do work well into his 90s. In early 2018, Stan had nurses with him nearly 24 hours a day. And especially when he traveled, he was firmly dedicated to his cameo roles, but had to limit his travels to just California. To make matters worse, in 2017, his wife Joan passed away due to complications due to a stroke. Uh, they were married for 69 years, and of course the loss of that was heartbreaking for Stan. Uh, rumors began to fly about healthcare abuse and, strained and a strained relationship with his daughter, but even with all that drama and health the health problems and the passing of his wife, Lee kept a happy face in public. Sadly, Stan Lee passed away November 12, 2018 at the age of 95. The cause of his death was most likely due to health complications due to pneumonia, something he had battled with for most of 2018. The comic book world truly mourned and celebrated the life of Stanley. Not only did many fans express their loss about Stan, but lots of stars wrote in and expressed how their life was truly changed by him. Each one of the Avengers actors took out a whole page in The Hollywood Reporter and dedicated it to him. Even DC Comics paid their respects in multiple ways. A real-life Superman statue in Metropolis, New York, was adorned with a black armband to honor Stanley's passing. Uh, his final two cameos were filmed for two Marvel productions, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Avengers 4. So, no matter how you feel about Lee's past or his writing credits, Lee was there for it all. Uh, he transitioned Timely Comics into Marvel Comics, he helped develop the web-slinger Spider-Man, and he truly entertained millions of people over the years. Even after his passing, the people Lee will reach will only expand as Marvel Comics continue to grow, and the MCU has movies and TV shows, just like the work ethic <laughs> Sorry, Lee's father instilled in him going through the Great Depression. Uh, he has passed that on through countless amounts of people. Stanley's legacy will live on forever, thanks to the world and heroes he created. Uh, one of my favorite quotes by Stanley is, That person who helps others simply because it should or must be done, and because it is the right thing to do, is indeed, without a doubt, a real superhero. Excelsior. Uh, we all mourn the death of Stanley, he who told beautiful, exceptional tales of our superheroes through the world words and pictures he gave us memories none of us will ever forget a bunch of moments of true inspiration which will be seared into the hearts into our hearts forever he created characters with such inhuman abilities and unexpectedly relatable tales to our everyday lives uh, his work will never perish wherever you are now stanley we all thank you excelsior rest in peace and that is all, guys. Stanley has been clapped. That was awesome. Yeah, I got a couple quick questions. Yeah, buddy. Do you know what his net worth was after passing? And do you know what uh, Marvel's net worth is? Dude, I have absolutely no idea on either one of those. Okay, I, I just didn't... Googled it. I'll let you know, okay? 
Okay. Stanley, <laughs> uh, apparently the time of his death, uh, his net worth was around $50 million. Holy shit. <laughs> wow, dude. And then in 2023, uh, Marvel's net worth is estimated to be 53 billion fucking dollars. Holy oh, shit. shit. <laughs> Dang. That's a lot of money. I'll take some. Right? Dang. Disney got a good chunk of that thing. In all honesty, though, this is my personal opinion. Like I was saying earlier, like I am a big Superman fan. I am a big like you know Wonder Woman and and the Green Arrow. I I do like all that, but I definitely think that Marvel has really just really just took the horse by the reins these these past like couple decades and. You know, uh, you know, Marvel, they, they each, you know, they started making all these movies, boom, 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 boom. They made it to this really big buildup. And, and DC, like, they did really, really good with, like, Aquaman and uh, the Green Arrow and the Flash and stuff. But they just, uh, DC has not done super well with their movies. Um, Henry Cavill, the new Superman, was that didn't didn't do super great. And Mar- Marvel, it's just all, all these movies that they, you know, have invested so much time in into like the big, you know, the big buildup of like the Infinity Wars. They just totally blew everything out of the water. Did an absolute incredible job. Like I said, I am a big Superman fan, but I I definitely think that uh, Marvel is definitely way ahead of the game when it comes to uh, their their movie productions and and uh, getting all their stuff out there. And you know, just think they did a crazy crazy good job like like i said 53 billion fucking dollars that's crazy absolutely Dude, yeah, crazy no, i 100 percent agree with you on that one right there man i think you know dc's really kind of great about a lot of stuff uh I, I like their storytelling and and how dark it is it's, it's a much darker sort of based comic than marvel is which is i think part of the problem that they have of getting things off the ground um Marvel is a lot more fast-paced, colorful, you know what I mean? Everybody's got their own backstory, and everybody's got their own, you know, superhero power. Yeah, everybody has a movie, and and, and yeah. DC just was just like, oh, let's just throw it all in. They literally just created Aquaman, and then they did a Batman versus Superman, which they're, was they're awful. Trying. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, but they're just not competing in, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, unfortunately. So, but, yeah, you know, I like... I respect both companies. I, I've been a fan of both of them for a long time. So, Cool, right. cool, cool. Well, I guess we'll end it there. I hope everyone has a good week, and uh, we'll see you guys again on Sunday. Peace. Peace. Peace.